0: Good morning. My name is Jason, one of the pastors here at Community Church, and I am really glad each and every one of you is here today. Whatever you bring into this place this morning, I am so glad you're here. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning, and we truly do want to speak the name of Jesus. Because we know, as we sang, that there is peace within your presence. Lord, as we come into this place today, many come with heavy burdens. We ask this morning that you would meet us where we are, that you would give us what we need today through the power of your word and the reality of your presence. Lord, I ask that my words are clear, that they're true, that they're helpful. And above all, that they bring you glory and honor. I ask that you burn off whatever doesn't do that. Holy Spirit, we beg of you this morning to be our teacher. And Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, as you walk into this place, the, the line that we sang about Jesus... I hope that's true for you today. I hope that you know that there is peace within his presence. Some of you walk in today and you've experienced that and you can look back in your life and you have decades, decades of testimony that says, I know that's true. I've experienced that peace. Some of you may be walking in here today and you're like, I have no idea if this is even true and if this piece is available to me today. Some of you may walk in here this morning and you've been riding that roller coaster. And some days, yes, I experience it, and some days, quite frankly, you say, I don't. It's not my reality. Well, wherever you are in that, I am so glad that you're here. We're going to start a new series uh, today that... uh, as we think about Advent and we think about this this idea of waiting, of anticipation, of expectation, we are waiting for a story. We are waiting for a story, and specifically today, we are waiting for the story of peace. And it's a story of peace that we're going to look at a little bit through the eyes of Mary and Joseph and what was to come in that particular situation in the, the big story of God's peace, but then we're going to look at also how does that become real and practical for us? How many of you got all your Christmas decorations up already? Well, I do. We, we got ours up. We're like, we're like, we are masters of efficiency in the Gallman household. We've got it all up in like two hours and we are done. Okay, we've got the manger scene up. And one of the joys of this Christmas season is seeing my granddaughters interact with the manger scene. My two-and-a-half-year-old's got little baby Jesus by the neck, (laughs) telling her sister that uh, baby Jesus is tired and needs to sleep. So sweet, so cute, so nostalgic. But my wonder is, oh, will those precious girls grow up? And have a real faith, a real trust. Will Jesus just be one of the other little toys that she experiences? Or will, be there, will there be a real, true relationship where she can speak the name of Jesus? She, that language of peace and joy, they'll just be an overflow. That's my prayer for them. That's my prayer for you, your kids, your families, That's my prayer for you. If you come in here by yourself and you are isolated, you don't feel like you have any connection, whatever we bring into this place today, we're going to sit under the authority of the Word of God and see what this big story of peace is about and how we can actually get more peace in our lives. Do you want that this morning? I'm assuming that you do. And... uh, We've got a way to get it through uh, God's Word and through the Spirit. So let's start with some of the words that uh, Grace read to us. And we won't take the time to go all the way through the prophecy. But in Isaiah 9, we, we heard some of those words about to us as a child is born. And, and that there, there's this promise of a king who will come, a a very specific promise that in the land of Galilee, be a child will be born. And that child will grow up, and on his shoulders the government will rest. Oh my goodness, do we need a Savior. <laughs> but this promise of a king who would come, a king who would rule, someone who would make all things right. What a yearning, what an expectation, what a hope. As we look out in our world today, I believe we all have that same yearning, that same hope, that there would be someone who would make things right, who would bring about a peace that would be eternal. So whether we look out at world events whether we look in our community or whether we look in our own families and our own hearts and we see an absence of peace, we are waiting for this story of peace to be fulfilled. So we look back and we can start the story with this prophecy of Isaiah, but then we're going to see very quickly in the story of Mary and Joseph that we find in Luke that a piece of this is going to be fulfilled. So I would invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1. We have the young couple, Mary and Joseph, betrothed to be married. This is around 700 years or so after this prophecy from Isaiah. And hear these words from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So we're in the town of Nazareth in Galilee. This prophecy is literally coming to life right here. Now as Laura asked us, have you ever been wrong about anything? I Probably everybody that lived around that time was wrong about how this would be fulfilled. Many had visions of a, a conquering army that would come in and overthrow Rome. That there would be a revolution, that there would be something different than a baby born in a manger. Well, let's continue in verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Put yourself in the, in the place of somebody living in this time, in this place, and wondering how would this great big story of peace be fulfilled. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know this, that our, our belief, our faith, is rooted up in real history, real actual events, that, that Mary and Joseph were real people, experienced real things, gave birth to a real baby who would live a real life and die a real death and really actually rise from the dead. But I'm getting ahead in the story. Here's the thing about Christmas. we, We talk about the birth of Jesus, but it doesn't make any sense unless we have the perspective of the big picture. But there is a kingdom that will never end. We learn this from the Gospel of Matthew. I want you to go to Matthew 1. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah God with us. Don't you just love the story? I try to picture Mary and I try to picture Joseph, and especially I try to put myself in Joseph's shoes. Are you kidding me? What kind of faith would it take to believe? We'll look at how they respond, but let's let's just pause for a moment and observe a few things here. So this child named Jesus, that's the Greek form of Joshua, which means the Lord saves. Peace would come through God breaking through human history, dwelling with his people, and saving us from our sins. So let's look carefully at how Mary and Joseph Respond. Take you to Luke 1, 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. And then let's look at Joseph's response in Matthew one twenty four. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's consider the response of Mary and Joseph. Try for a moment to peel away all the layers of nostalgia and trinkets and lights and the whole deal, and try to get back to that original, actual, historical event. And what do we see in Mary and Joseph? A couple words stand out to me. First of all, is worship, gratitude, humility. How do they respond worship. Wow. Gratitude, thank you, and humility. And, what, and how do they do this? What they actually do is they say, wow, thank you for inviting us in to be a part of the big story. For Mary and Joseph, their little story, their, their time on this earth, they're able to put within the larger story of God redeeming his people. They're able to take their days, their years, and put that within the bigger story. That's a foundation of humility and worship and gratitude that can help each one of us. You see, what's the opposite of that? The opposite of that is pride, which would say, my story is the big deal, and God's just a little bit of my story. And I want to put God inside my story. So let me ask you this morning, what's the bigger story for you? Is it God's story and you're a part of it? Or is it your story and God's just a little bit of it? I want to challenge you on that this morning because when we get that right, that's where the peace can actually come. Well, let's talk about this moment in history for a moment. You see, when we look back and we think about this actual time a couple thousand years ago, and then we think about our time today, often we'll talk about the already and the not yet. There's an already and a not yet. So at this particular time, God God was already doing some work, Jesus would grow up, he would die on the cross, he would rise from the dead, he would pay the penalty for our sins. Those things have already happened in history. This isn't pretend, this isn't made up, this isn't a myth, these things actually happened. If you're with us today, and you're like, you know what? I I don't know if this is true or not. Maybe Jesus is just some big idea, and there's, you know, we're 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 watching a Dr. Seuss and Cat in the Hat, and the Cat in the Hat knows everything about Christmas. I'm like, are you kidding me? The Cat in the Hat doesn't know much about Christmas. What we're talking about here is real history. That's the claim. Our belief, our faith stands or falls on the claim that these things actually happened. So if you're here this morning and you're checking this out and you're saying, what's, what's going on here? Let me, let me invite you to simply, let's, let's look at the evidence. Let's have a conversation about the evidence, if that's you today. So these things have already happened, but yet we live in the not yet. Jesus has not yet Return The ultimate peace, the ultimate rule has not yet occurred. So we live in this mess. We live in the time when our peace is compromised. When we talk about anxiety, we talk about depression, we talk about pain, we talk about grief, all these things are real because we live in the not yet. But you see, when we consider this peace and we dive into this story of peace that we've been waiting for, we have both the promise of peace and the presence of Jesus that gives us peace. So what the promise does, what the big story does, what the history does is gives us some perspective, but what the presence of Jesus does is it gives us the power. To actually live in peace. So we're going to talk about now what that means for us. Let's look at your faith story of peace. What does that actually look like for us today? I want to take you to a passage from Hebrews eight ten, And the writer says this, This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. That God is writing his words, his laws, his story on our hearts. That that's part of our faith journey, that more and more of the core of who we are will be aligned with what God has for us. So what is this peace, and how do I get more of it today? That's the question we need to deal with. Well, let's start with what is this peace? What is this peace? Well, here's what it's not. Peace doesn't come through the absence of conflict, but through the presence of Jesus. How many of you would like to get rid of all the conflict in your life right now? Snap your fingers, easy button, it's all gone. Pick out out your biggest conflict, bam, and it's gone. Jesus has something greater, though, because it's actually his presence that will give us what we desire. John 14, 27, Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. If you're a follower of Jesus, you will have trouble. You will have hardship. You will have things that you don't understand. But Jesus promises a peace with him. The Apostle Paul will talk about this piece. I want to take you to Romans 5, 1. Paul says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. I absolutely loved having all the kids here on Friday. I had the privilege of being in one of, the, one of the rooms doing the devotion, and we were talking about, you know, we're trying to explain the gospel through, and Carissa just did a marvelous job of putting these devotions together and trying to give families a, a, an opportunity to do this at home, but we talked about sin, and sin was, you know, we, we're, we're making this cup of hot chocolate to try to illustrate the story in. And sin is represented by the the, the bitterness of the cocoa powder. And we actually had the kids taste the cocoa powder. One kid in my room like downed a whole cup of the cocoa powder. And I mean, he's gagging. So we could use that as an object. And then it's the sweetness of Christ that takes care of that sin problem. Now that's an oversimplification But it's close because there's something from the outside that we need, something that we can't do on our own to take care of our separation problem, our sin problem. And that's what Paul is talking about here. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have to have peace with God as a foundation. And the first step of that is simply to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It's simply to say, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's the initial step. Doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out. If you're here today and you have questions about that, we can help you take that step. But I want to talk about a peace that comes from that as we go. Paul says this in his letter to the Philippians, Philippians 4, verse 6. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a prayer. What a process. I want to talk about that process now, and and this is where I, I want to take the story, I want to take the manger scene, and now let's make it really personal and practical. Let's do that. So I want you to have in mind, what is it that you bring into this place this morning? First of all, As we we follow Paul's model here, I want you to identify the threat to your peace right now. Okay. First step, I want you to identify the threat to your peace right now. I'm not asking you to share, but how many of you right now, as soon as I say that, your hand goes up and you know exactly what, what is that threat to your peace right now. How many of you know one thing right now, it's there? Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a worry about a kid, maybe it's job, maybe it's finances, maybe it's a test finals you've got coming up. Maybe it's a decision you've got to make that you're just really stressed about. But what is that threat to your peace today? Identify that. I love the totality of Paul's prayer. What does he say? Don't be anxious about most things. But in some situations. There's a totality to the promise. He says don't be anxious about anything but in everything. Now, sometimes this verse is is talked about and we're like, well, I feel anxious, I feel worried. Oh my goodness, am I doing something wrong? That's a fair question. Okay. Here's how I'd like to respond to that. Okay. The emotion itself is not wrong. You feel what you feel. You feel what you feel. It's what we do with those feelings that's going to matter. So if you walk into this place today and you're really low, you're like, I feel anxious, I feel depressed, I feel, first of all, let's talk, let's see how we can help you take a next step, but, but I don't want you to feel like you're judged for those feelings. They are what they are. The, the question is, what are we going to do with those feelings? First of all, let's, let's name them. If, if I'm going to present something to God, I, I, I've got to know what it is that's helpful. That's helpful. That's a start. Is it, is it something from the outside? I'm by the dollar store yesterday and it's noon and the dollar store was closed. Oh my goodness, I thought the fight was going to break out in the parking lot. Everybody's peace was threatened. I got to get to the dollar store. Maybe it's something like small from the outside. Maybe it's something really big, it's, it's the threat of war, it's the future, it's all those things that are stirring something inside you. Maybe it's something on the inside. What is it, though, that is a threat to your peace? First step is to just identify it. Let's name it. God can handle it. We go back to David, who wrote several of the Psalms. Man after God's own heart, David was not shy in expressing his feelings of worry and anxiety and all those things. If David could do it, we ought to be able to do it too. Now, let's go a little deeper. The second step I would invite us to take, and that's to investigate below the surface. Investigate below the surface. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, pause. Investigation takes some time. Part of my problem is I like to just go, 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 and I've got an endless to-do list. Am I alone? Anybody feel like you got a big list coming up for Christmas? I better hurry up and get all these things done so I can enjoy the peace of Christmas. We might call that irony. But let's investigate. What's the root cause of that? Why why do I feel that way? And when I look at the root cause, and I'll just speak for myself, sometimes when I look out and I see, I see places where I'm trying to take too much control. Maybe that's not, maybe I'm not the hero of every story. Maybe I'm not called to fix every problem. What are some of those control things that we may may need to take a look at? Where am I really trusting? Where are my problem solvers out there? You like to solve problems. You, You This happened to me, and it came from a source I had no idea it was going to come. I like to understand things. I have no mechanical ability, so I cannot fix engines and those kinds of things. But I'm in a position where oftentimes I'm in situations where I'm, I'm in a position to maybe help fix problems. And one of the things I was reminded of this week was I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. And I was listening to a, a, a podcast that, that has to do with like science and longevity and all these wonderful things. And it was a PhD scientist, a guy named Andrew Huberman, has a wildly popular podcast, great podcast. And he said this he studies neuroscience. And he said, You know what? When I study the human brain, I look at it, and it's so complicated, so complex, I simply have to say, wow, and say, yes, I'm not in control. Yes, I pray. Yes, I believe there are reasons that I don't understand. Wow. I don't know if he's a follower of Jesus or not, but when I see a Ph.D. from Stanford look at all that and say, oh, there's got to be something greater. That's encouraging. And maybe some of you today, you don't understand at all, but at least say, wow, there's something beyond me that I cannot understand. So we want to investigate below the surface, and then we'll take the final step, and that's to respond to the invitation from Jesus. To respond from that invitation from Jesus. Paul says the peace of God... Which transcends all understanding, which goes above my little brain, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the promise. But to activate that, I've got to be open and I've got to present those requests to God. I've got to take that step of responding to that invitation. Maybe some of you, it's for the first time to say, I trust you, Jesus. Maybe for somebody else today, it's simply to to let go of what I'm trying to control and present that to God. And the promise is that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. What a promise. What a promise. Will you respond to that promise today however the Spirit leads you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the promise that uh, you give to us. And as we prepare our hearts to receive at the table, Holy Spirit, continue to to work. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we come to the table this morning, we come to the communion table. And here at community church, the table is open to all who put their faith and their trust in Jesus. And what do we do? Well, we remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed. He gathered his disciples in the upper room and after giving thanks he broke the bread and said, this is my body given for you. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and said, this cup represents the blood of the new covenant, blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Just as you receive the bread, receive the cup. So when we do that, we remember. There's also a giving and receiving. We are giving our burdens to Jesus. We are confessing. We are agreeing with reality giving that to Jesus. And at the same time, we are receiving from him. Receiving forgiveness, receiving peace. So I'm going to pray and when you're ready, you can come up to receive and then take the elements back to your seat and receive on your own. Again, Lord Jesus, we come to you thankful. You tell us to come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you will give us rest. We're thankful for what you've done for us on the cross. We're thankful for the big story that gives us perspective, but we're also thankful for your presence right now, wherever we are. So Lord, as we receive the bread and the cup, we worship and we say, thank you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.